Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 22, Patchwork Ponderings, recorded October 16th, 2011. Hear that pause there as I glanced at my watch to see what the date was? October 16th. Uh, this week, we're, uh, Patchwork Ponderings uh, is because we didn't actually come up with a show topic. Sorry about that. Uh, we, For whatever we reasons, we just didn't have anything. So this is just a conglomeration of stuff we ripped off from other people and stuff that we uh, thought of ourselves. And so uh, we'll get right to it. Uh, joining me this week, uh, Mr. Uh, Chris Neves, our command line godfather, cannot be with us. He has a family engagement, and uh, family is always more important than podcasting. Just barely, and, but it, yeah, is. it is. It is. Um, so with us, we have our uh, noob in residence back with us after an absence. Say hello to the world, Aaron. Hello. I would have much better rather have been podcasting than what I was doing last Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> As Mark, you've already heard. Seth has not heard yet, but I'll share that in the more up here in a minute. And that Seth he refers to is the gooey kid, Mr. Seth Anderson. Hey, Seth. Hey, everybody. What would it be like? Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I am, I'm going on vacation in like three days, so I'm just trying to survive until then. You've got so, vacationitis. I do. Vacationitis. Similar to senioritis. Yes. So but, who takes a vacation in the middle of October? Well, apparently a lot of people, because we've had, <laughs> what, Aaron, there were like three people on your show this week that were on vacation, and, and uh-huh. Seth is on vacation. What, what's up with that? Well, you know, when you work year-round, like, you know, okay, I'm in education, so you're supposed to take your vacation during the summer. Unless you work year-round, then you get most of your work done in the summer, so you need to take a vacation when everybody's there. So uh, that that's what that's how it works for me. And that's true. Actually, I try to always take some time off around uh, October because that's when the beginning of the year stuff settles down. Right. And the uh, I, I like how you two guys talk about it being like something strange that people work all year. <laughs> <laughs> this is somebody who used to be a uh, was a school teacher themselves, so I understand the idea. But yeah, yeah, you miss those summers off if you're if you're a regular regular type school teacher, Joe. I know you guys don't do that, but yeah, but in our world, it, people think we're the odd ones, you know. Right. Every year, like in in uh, September, late October, when or excuse me, late August, when teachers come back, they always say, "So, what'd you do this summer?" Same thing I did in the spring and the fall. Frankly, I was here yeah. working on stuff. I was trying to fix everything you broke during the year and uh, didn't quite finish. <laughs> it's what you want to say, but you never actually do. So I don't know if I've ever said it on this show, but uh, I've I've come up with the perfect description because every year somebody asks me, "What do you do up here all summer?" Because you haven't they said assume, it on this show, but you've said it on the Tightwad Tech, and I remember it. They I can assume, tell you where I was when I heard it. <laughs> they assume that since there's nobody there, there's no reason for me to be there. So the thing that I've honed over the years is summer is when I have ten weeks to repair what seven hundred people spent ten months breaking, and when you put it exactly. in that light, they go. Oh, <laughs> every time. Oh, so Aaron, what were you doing last week that you would much rather have been podcasting instead of? Well, I was. I flew to my uh, flew to Texas on Thursday to go to my family reunion, which was on Saturday, and then I flew out Sunday night. The plan was I was to take a four fifty five flight from Hobby Airport, which is the smaller of the two airports in Houston on the south side of town. And fly up to uh, Cincinnati, and from there, jump on over to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, which was my ultimate goal. 
So I got to the airport in plenty of time because I like to be ahead of time and organized and those kind of things. And it just decided after a six-month drought in Texas that it was going to come in a, a, a biblical flood and rain about three inches an hour. And so it was pouring down rain, crazy amount of rain, and they came over the uh, the speaker and said, hey, everybody, let you know because of the weather, your plane has been diverted to Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, we hope to get them here just as soon as the weather clears off just a little bit, but right now it's just too too sticky for them to come in. So uh, hang around. So we waited about 45 minutes, and then they said, all right, good news. The weather's backed off enough in the area between here and there. They're coming on in. Should be here in about 45 minutes. So stick around. Don't run off. Be ready to go because we're going to do a quick offboarding, onboarding. We're like, all right, great. So we hung around for about 45 minutes, and then they said, okay, the plane's here. It's circling. It can't land. The tower got struck by lightning. Uh, give us a few minutes and we'll see what we can do. So they got the tower back up about 30 minutes later. All right. The tower's back up. Everything's great. Plane's going to land now. Be ready for a quick offboarding onboarding. Everybody don't go anywhere because we're going to get you on that plane quick and get you out of here. About 20 minutes later, they came up and said, the plane has landed. Unfortunately, it has a mechanical problem. They're going to work on it. Give us about 15 minutes. We'll let you know. About 15 minutes later, I'm sorry. Your flight has been canceled. <laughs> wow. Uh, this time it's. It's 6.30, and they're like, who can take a different flight somewhere else? How can we help you? And so it was quickly determined that I could not take a different flight on any Delta airline. And so their their answer for the 50 of us that couldn't make other arrangements through them was, we'll put you up in the Hilton. You can fly out in the morning. And I would get to Madison like at 12.30 or 1, and then it's probably an hour commute to where I was going. So I would have got there about 2 o'clock just in time for my first day of classes to end uh, of a two-and-a-half-day session. So I was going to miss like 40% of my training. So I, being the lead type, proactive, taking care of business type person that I am, ran down to the Southwest Airlines thing, found that there was a flight to Chicago, Went to actually went to the boards, found a flight to Chicago, went down to the Southwest gate and said, I need to get on this flight to Chicago. And they said, it's full. I said, can I get on standby? They said, yes, I got on standby at 635 for a 645 flight. Got on at 640, flew to Chicago, rented a car, drove three hours, and I arrived in Madison, Wisconsin at one in the morning. So there you have it. You are a dedicated employee. Well, thank you very much. So uh, to answer your question, uh, not re- to, more specifically, last week when you were recording the show at uh, 8 o'clock Central Time is when you start, I was on a plane flying to Chicago, and I landed about 9.45. So there you go. Which was a All that excitement. <laughs> three and a half. So you had to rent your own car and drive it there? Yeah. So I la- landed in Chicago, rented a car, and drove from Chicago to Madison, Wisconsin, three hours. Which is really exciting because I'm driving along. I have GPS. It's the middle of the night. I don't have a flag, uh, a map. I don't have an atlas. All I have is my cell phone with the GPS in it. Thank the Lord for Android. And about <laughs> two hours into it, you know, I've been it's been off the charger all day, and I've been hammering it hard, looking up sites on you know, uh, uh, airfares online, all this stuff. And GPS eats up quite a bit. Indeed. And, um, so about two hours into it, it starts giving me the orange light. Uh, and so as I as I approached Madison. And realized that I was going to the wrong Courtyard Marriott because mine was actually in Middleton, which is a suburb of Madison. It decided, okay, I'm about to shut off now. So I whipped out my laptop, plugged, threw it in the passenger seat and plugged it in to my laptop. So luckily I had a full charge of my laptop battery and that saved me. Um, so I got there pretty much for that incident other than just being really tired the next day. So after that adrenaline rush, I was not ready to lay down at 115 and go to sleep. Right. That says something about modern geeks with our modern stuff. When uh, I was going somewhere this weekend, uh, my daughter had a birthday party. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But I entered the address into the GPS, 
I don't know where it is. I've never known where it was. And other than having entered the address into the GPS, I would never even have looked at the address. So you just trust the GPS and you go. Um, I was uh, not long ago uh, going to a hotel in San Antonio, and I got into downtown San Antonio with the tall buildings, and it blocked my GPS signal. Uh I didn't didn't know where I was going. I didn't even, I had never even bothered to look up the address. I made the reservations for the hotel. Then I entered the name of the hotel in my GPS and started going. I didn't know the address. I didn't even know what street it was on. I was completely lost. And it was like, you know, I couldn't even pull out a map if I wanted to because I didn't even know the address. I just knew the hotel name. Wow. I had a similar experience where I was trying to get back to the office to meet somebody for lunch. And had been on a conference call on my phone, and I was driving, and my phone died. My phone died. The battery went dead. I tried to buy a charger. The charger didn't work. I couldn't call him. I couldn't text him. I, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't have a quarter to stop and use a, cell, uh, a pay phone, <laughs> if there even are pay phones. You know, I was like, what am I doing? I, I have no idea. I'm panicking. You know, yeah. it's kind of crazy. You get really dependent on it. What was funny is I finally got to a spot where I got enough of a GPS signal, and it went, boop, you have arrived at your destination. I looked over to my left. There was my hotel. <laughs> well, I, we had a, my friend and I had a, a similar thing with GPS where we put it in to go to a Walmart near his house, and it took us to a dead-end alley. And so, so we, okay, that's, that can't be right. So we put it in my GPS and started off back down the road, and it led us back around the block back to the same alley. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oops, I don't think this is right. And then we, it, was, it was just on the wrong side of the interstate that he gotten confused as to which side of the road we were actually on. And that's the thing kind with modern like cell phones and that sort of thing. You just type in Walmart and hit enter, and you trust it. You just put your blind faith in it, and if the bridge is out and you fall to your death, you have no one to blame. <laughs> right. Have you ever seen that, um, uh, that uh, episode of The Office where Michael turns into the lake? No. I don't <laughs> because it told him to. It told him to. Oh, I love that episode. We've lost Seth, so while oh, no. I try to get him back, I'll explain to anybody uh, who might still be listening that this is the whole show. Sorry, this is it. We're just going to have some conversations tonight, tell some funny stories, and maybe even get to some Linux stuff. But uh, one of the reasons that we didn't get around to, one of the reasons we don't actually have a show topic is the thing. one of the things that we were going to do. Wow, my tang got all tungled up. Um, yes, the thing that does it. <laughs> the thing that we were going to try to do was review Ubuntu 11.04, uh, excuse me, 11.10, that just came right. out uh, this week. I downloaded and looked at it. Aaron downloaded and looked at it. And then we realized this is like maybe two minutes worth of show fodder. This is not enough to make a whole show. Right. But we hadn't planned to do anything else. So uh, it was either come to you and have a two-minute show or yeah. just try to punt. So that's what the show is. We thought we would uh, get some stuff out of the news, and we've got some links here of things going on so this week. Uh, patchwork and, puntings. <laughs> patchwork punting. Maybe that's a better one. <laughs> punting uh, for patchwork. But it's, it's really yeah. just uh, uh, our attempt to... Um, do you know something interesting? So I, I mentioned going to a birthday party. I wanted to finish that story. I have three children, three daughters, and this weekend between Friday and Saturday night, not even counting today, I had three birthday parties and three sleepovers between the three wow. kids. And so, um, my oldest daughter will be uh will be nine tomorrow. So it was her actual birthday tomorrow, but we had the party yesterday. 
And apparently, <laughs> I have to laugh here. Uh, I told um, one of the kids at the birthday party. Remember, these are seven, eight, nine year olds, so they didn't get this. But I think you'll find it was funny. Um, they were commenting on how how many birthday parties they had like this week. There was like two of them didn't come to to my daughter's party because they were at another party. Abby went to a party today for a girl that was at her party yesterday. And I said, well, you see, kids, it's really cold in January and February. And so there are lots of birthdays in September and October. <laughs> they didn't get that. But the parents in the room were looking at me like, I hope I don't have to answer some questions based on what you just said. But anyway, so, yeah, three three parties, three sleepovers, which means, of course, there was no sleeping. I had two one of those sleepovers, two kids at my own house. So I'm kind of tired and grumpy. So that's why even when when we found out that the whole uh, uh, look at the new Ubuntu thing wasn't really going to be worth anything, we didn't have time to, to crank anything else out because, as Aaron said, he's been doing his uh, traveling or whatever. So anyway, here we go. Mark, I have, an, I have a, a topic for a name, an, an alternate name for the show. An alternate name. Okay. Hello, world. I don't get it. Dennis no. Ritchie, creator of Unix and C, dies at 70. And one of his famous, uh, he's the person who first populated, prop, populated, um, made popular the Hello World basic program that's used in almost every intro computer programming book. Oh, okay. You know, the first thing you do in any language is you write a program that puts Hello World on the screen. And uh, he wrote that. Creator that was, he's of, kinda, that's kind of one of his things. Creator of yeah, Unix and the C programming language. Man, now that was a guy who affected the world. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you're one of the creators of Unix, um, that's a pretty big deal. Not to mention yeah. C. Uh, so anyway, now that's interesting. Just last week, as people are eulogizing Steve Jobs, talking about how he changed the world, you compare mm -hmm. him to Dennis Ritchie here, and how many you know uh, uh, NBC specials are there going to be about Dennis Ritchie? Um, <laughs> Zero would be the correct answer, right. I believe. So while Steve Jobs definitely, I don't want to denigrate the guy. He definitely no. had something, but he was essentially a glorified salesman and very yeah. good at it. He was a visionary, not a technical person. Right. And so he here's a guy who, who invented an operating system and a programming and what is still the most common programming language 30 some odd years later, 40 almost years later. Mm -hmm. uh, and nobody's going to even know. But this is just an article that happens to show up on Mashable. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the deal. I didn't even know the guy's name. I didn't. I knew yeah. somebody, somebody had invented Unix. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had came up with C, but I didn't realize I didn't know Dennis Ritchie. You know, that's that's it's a uh, it shows like you said um, the perception of the world is definitely skewed as far as the importance from from a from a from a who does gets things done type uh, perspective. You know, uh, years ago when I was coming out of high school and getting getting ready to you know start the real world, my real life. I was having a conversation with somebody, and, and it's a fellow uh, person about my age, and they were talking about how they were going to change the world, and they were going to do X and do Y. And even back then, I said, you know, 99-plus percent of all the people in history have lived and died in anonymity, and I don't think I'm any better than them. So I'm perfectly happy to live and die in an anonymity. If If when I die... Five people at my funeral say I profoundly touched their lives, and the rest of the world have no idea who I am. I'm totally okay with that. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
there's not the the number the number of people like you said that'll actually have impact on thousands is minute compared to the millions and millions of people that live and die every day. Right. So just try to make the most impact you can on the people in your in your sphere of influence. So. Okay. So just, hello world. Hello world. <laughs> Goodbye, Back Dennis off. Ritchie. No, that's the title right there. Hello world. <laughs> Goodbye, Dennis Ritchie. There we go. I knew we'd get to it eventually. All right, let's start the entire show over. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and three, two. Uh, so we just have some some uh, news links to run through. That was the the top one there. Dennis Ritchie dies. Uh, Seth, fake Netflix invades Android. What's that about? Yeah, there was an article on uh, which website did I steal this from? Uh, LinuxInsider.com. Uh, it showed up in forums. Uh, and it looks like it uses like apparently the real Netflix logo and you download this app to Android and when you install it, it goes through, I haven't used an Android, so I don't know, but apparently it like, you know, it's asking for permissions to interact with the phone and then it asks for your username and password and has of right now, the website that it reports that information to does not work so either they've already done what they wanted to with this app or a lot of people like at semantic are saying perhaps it is you know they're testing proof of malware yeah so uh if if you've downloaded a netflix app recently it on on an android phone it might not have been the real thing and i would suggest changing your netflix password now was this in the market seth or was it something people sideloaded it was on a forum, so okay. uh, I don't think it was in the actual market, but you know how many, you know, click here to go and right. download it from whatever. And, so that's uh, my word of advice there, is only download things from the market unless you're darn sure you know where it came from. Right. Yeah, There's a, I've only downloaded one or two Google Android um, apps on my phone that were not market apps, and I knew through multiple reviews and websites and everything that this was something I wanted to have. Skype, now, having said I mean, uh, that, Swipe being one of them. On my new Android tablet, my uh, Asus Transformer, I downloaded Netflix, but it's not in the market on that device. So I downloaded Netflix from a different site on my own device, and I'm just telling you, here telling you don't do that. But it was one of those things that was well vetted. vetted. I think it was the XDA developer forums, which is you know huge. Everybody uh, who... Uh, uh, there's so many people there, nothing would go unvetted for long. So I feel right. fairly trust, uh, feel that fairly trustworthy. Yeah, and see, and like Netflix has been in the news a lot recently because it is coming out on more and more Android phones. And so, you know, you think, oh, well, it's about to come out, so I'll get this. So it's, a, it's one of those cases where the malware writers are taking a topic that is in the news and using that to drive their business model. Right. That's so awesome. beware. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip down a couple here. LibreOffice turns one and announces some pretty cool stuff in the future. They're going to try to rival Google Docs, from what I hear. They're going to uh, cr- create a web-based version and an Android version. Um, of course, this is all stuff that they'll say will happen in the next couple of years. So this is a project that's only a year old, is talking about what they're going to do in a year or two. But uh, hello, LibreOffice, one year old today. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was, it was just you know, I, it's hard to seem like it's been that long. Um, here's a here's a noob question for you, since I am the noob in residence. Is LibreOffice a new iteration of FreeOffice, a spinoff of FreeOffice, or Office. something totally different? It's OpenOffice when Oracle bought. Sun. I mean, OpenOffice. Thank you. 
when Oracle bought Sun, they made some um, internal decisions that certain people didn't like. Nothing, nothing bad. They haven't closed sourced uh, Open Office or anything. They just made some decisions, some some partnership decisions that a subset of pe- the developers didn't like. So those developers took their dolly and, and went home. And since OpenOffice is fully open source, they could do that. So they forked it and have been developing it like crazy. And Sun has been really, really slow. Excuse me, Oracle now has been really, really slow about developing OpenOffice. And some people consider that a good thing, right? That's stability. Others consider it a bad thing. So it just kind of depends on how you look at it. But my, me personally, I've been using LibreOffice for about a year now because I saw that they were advancing and developing and, right. and open office isn't. So yeah, it's, well, it's see, a fork of the same code. I've used free off, free office. I keep calling it that open office in the past uh, on the windows platform. But when I made the jump to starting to use Linux, you know, fairly recently, um, then it was like everything was saying LibreOffice. Every, 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 um, distro that I looked at had a LibreOffice package instead of open office. You know the more recent ones, and so that was just kind of surprised me. Yeah, one of the things is, for example, Sun, Oracle. Now I have to say that they include, for example, the Sun Java Development Kit for Java. Now Oracle Java Development Kit. They they wrap that up. They package that. LibreOffice being Libre, they don't want to put any proprietary stuff in there, so they don't do that. They don't have the requirement for you to do that, which means some of the functionality that it provided you didn't have right away. I think they've quickly caught up with that. But there, it's it's mainly just ideological stuff, not really anything technical. There's there's no real end-user-oriented reason not to use one over the other, in my humble opinion. But it does seem like bug fixes get fixed faster yes. in LibreOffice. It's a more active community. And they've formed a foundation, and they have some streams of revenue coming in, so they're paying their coders, and, and it's it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I like real things. It's a real thing. So uh, what's this Mashable article here about uh, Engineer Rant? I heard something about that. Who put that in there? I, I did. It's just funny. Um, you know, we've we talked quite a bit about Google Plus on here. And it's it's a Google engineer who was complaining about how much he hated how lame he thought Google Plus was, <laughs> and how most of most um, Google executives and people like that are aren't adopting it at all, and just kind of basically slamming it. And he meant to post it just internally. Well, no, was he like, did post it internally, and it was reshared. And, oh, because that's not that's not what the article I read said. It said that it, he had meant to post it internally, and it had come, he accidentally pub- published it publicly on Google Plus. Okay, I'm, I must have misunderstood that. But it does point at one of the dangers of Google Plus and Facebook and Twitter and any of those things is that anybody can republish what you share with them. <laughs> I love this. This is what it says. Um, Yege's most recent post is an apology for the rant. Quote. Sadly, it was intended to be an internal post visible to everybody at Google, but not externally. But as it was midnight, this is the funny part, and I am not what you might call an experienced Google Plus user. (laughs) I only helped design it, right? Right. Oh, golly, that's so funny. That is funny. He accidentally published it to 2,000 or so of his followers. Right. Anyway. See, intended his 5,000-word post to be an internal diatribe. 
<laughs> but accidentally published it for 2,000 or so followers who then republished and republished and republished. You know, you can't unring the bell. Once it's out, it's out. That's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why I, I've pretty much turned my back on Facebook because I just don't like it anymore. <laughs> And I haven't put anything on Google Plus. It is so it's you know it's like if you're kind of a private guy, and you just like to hang out with your friends or whatever, then uh, the social landscape as it is now is very hard to do because everybody assumes, oh, you're on the internet, therefore you want to have no secrets at all from the rest of the world, and tell everybody you know that you passed gas five seconds ago eating or or whatever, and you know it's not always the case. If you actually go read the whole article, it's not just a slam on Google. It's a pretty actually pretty in, a, interesting um, article about it. And there's a there's a link there to it if you want to. Yeah, we'll have all these links. Two hours shows. of your life um, <laughs> wasting away. And the anyway, next yeah, thing is, uh, I think I mentioned last week when I was talking about where Linux is showing up, embedded Linux is showing up everywhere. I mentioned Ford Sync as an example of that, and then remembered that it wasn't Linux-based, it's Windows-based. Well, Cadillac is introducing a Linux-based in-vehicle in, in navigation and in, in entertainment system. Uh, so I was right. I just didn't know I was right yet. <laughs> yes. Can I tell my favorite Cadillac joke? Sure. <clears throat> this is the perfect show for that. I'm finally not um, derailing the show. I'm supposed to derail it. I'm so excited. Um <clears throat> This guy's designing a sprocket and a, a fantastic sprocket for mechanical use. And he goes to sell it to the Ford Motor Company. He gets up in front of all the top executives and he says, this sprocket is the best sprocket ever designed. In fact, this, ca- this sprocket is the Cadillac of all sprockets. <laughs> I don't know if it's a true story or not, but I thought it was a pretty funny story. Because, <clears throat> you know, Ford doesn't make Cadillac. But anyway, <clears throat> or it didn't at that time. Maybe it was Chevy. I don't know. Does, Cadillac, does Ford make Cadillac? I don't even know. I think Cadillac makes Cadillac. I think so, too. I, th- I got confused because I'm looking at the link here, and it says Linux Ford e-vices. <laughs> Ford, <laughs> yeah, Ford devices, Ford e-vices. What's uh, interesting is they're designing the hardware um, as well as doing a custom role of Linux on it. It's a, what is this? It says the Cadillac user experience, the Q system, a triple-core ARM 11 processor with two 8-inch capacitive multi-touch screens and an optional 12.3-inch cluster display, whatever that means, with a proximity sensor, haptic feedback. That means the screen vibrates when you touch it. Natural language voice recognition. Take that, Siri. And an open app development platform. So you'll be able to build apps for your Cadillac. That's awesome. Hey, um, Mark, this show is typically recorded on Sunday evenings. That's no secret. It's published on the web. And it typically comes out the following when? Wednesday. So what we're recording tonight will be out in three days. Yes. So if I tell people right now, hey, all you people that are listening to this episode on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday, Friday or Saturday Sunday night, we're going to have an ask, ask the Expert show. Can I throw that in there right now? Absolutely. I'm going to have – we have a, a – Scheduled now, you know, assuming everything works out like it should. Uh, a friend of mine, Tom Little, who's a new newbie, even more noob than me. In fact, he's so noob that I went and helped him. <laughs> That's pretty new. Yeah. Uh, got him going up on Chromium and uh, 
kind of gave him a little tour around Ubuntu. That's what he's running. He's running the 11.10 version. Um, <clears throat> so I, I was talking to Mark about it, and he said, why don't we have him on the show? And he can just ask the questions for the experts. And I thought, that is great. So Tom's taking the week to get his his uh, questions together, and I'm probably going to throw a few together too. And so if you're listening to this show on Wednesday, Sunday night, 8 Central, 9 Eastern, uh, we record this show. It is streamed on Ustream, and there is a um, uh, chat window right there. If you go to www.elementop.com forward slash live dash stream, you can go right in on the stream, and you can put your questions directly into the to the uh, chat window, and we will make sure that somebody's watching that chat window and actually take those questions on the air live. That would be awesome if somebody actually did that. Yeah, we would encourage more uh, engagement in our live chat room in general. Absolutely. So that would be fantastic. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had like just ones and tens of people tens listening of live? People would be awesome. Yes. Ones we have, we and have twos a, of people. We have a healthy listening audience, but most people don't listen live. Right, and that's Every true. Uh, what's interesting, some shows that are totally the opposite of that. They'll have thousands of people live and then a small fraction uh, who download it. But others, it's totally the other way around. And and maybe it's because of the time we do it. I don't know. But our audience has always been far more um, download than live. Yeah. Far more. And I don't, I don't know whether – I actually haven't watched too many of the live stream versions. I'm assuming the quality is decent because you've used them as a backup recording before. So I know the quality is decent. Right. It's not assuming bad. you have a good enough bandwidth. Yeah. Okay. Next if, thing. Um, ten next reasons – <laughs> Ten reasons not to switch to Linux. Dun, dun, dun. That, that doesn't seem appropriate here on on a Linux show. Well, we're gonna well, we're gonna we're gonna read the ten things and we're gonna shoot them down one by one. That's kind of what I thought. It's apparent. This guy, I don't know who this person is. He must write for a newspaper or something and saw somebody. He probably read one of Ken Wallen's posts and thought he could uh, come up with his own and. Some of the things, it's like, have you not used Linux in the last decade, or are you just a Windows flame boy? So, um, but he starts off with, uh, you know, everybody's heard about Linux, and, you know, but you probably shouldn't switch because I had problems when I tried to switch, and because I know everything, if I can't do it, you wouldn't have a hope to. Um, it was kind of the thing of his article this guy named pin caprice uh from fort myers technology examiner and uh, it's from examiner.com and we'll have the links in the show notes but he uh and this is from june so it's about four months old now um he just talked about 10 reasons why you shouldn't switch to linux and i thought well you know it'd be cool to look over these and talk about the truth in them and have things changed were they right when he said them or not um so I thought it would be something good to do. Okay, number one, Linux offers nothing over Windows functionality. Oh, that is so wrong. I mean, I think so, because Windows, you get an operating system and an outdated browser and, you know, six months to a couple of years worth of updates before you can do anything. And most of the things you get to make Windows functional are not Windows products that you have to go somewhere else to get. So when you... Uh, I think that, I think you're being a little fanboy there. You think so? Okay. Uh, I, I actually agree with that and have said it before, that moving between Windows and Linux is a lateral move. 
that you don't gain one a lot, you don't lose a lot. Now, to say it offers nothing over Windows is not true. That's a blanket statement, which you know is, is simply not true. There are some things Linux does better than Windows. There are some things it doesn't do as well as Windows. Overall, in in terms of the entire experience, I think they're at parity. And I would throw the Mac in there as well. They are essentially lateral moves from one to the other. So I'm going to give him uh, three quarters of a point on that one. Okay. So and, he, and he is using, apparently looking at what he says here, he is using Ubuntu 10.4 um, as his test bed. Which is so the latest long-term. it's not like he's using a, a distro from 97. Right. It's the latest long-term release. So he right. picked one, uh, the quote-unquote stable release. So I understand why he would do that one. Uh, all right, number so, two, technical hitches are frequent. Okay, now how is that not true for all OSs in the world? Well, nothing yeah. on Apple though. I mean, <laughs> Mac OS is perfect. Uh, one word for that: flash. Yeah. <laughs> so. He says, "I can honestly say, for the first couple of months, I probably spent more time trying to fix stuff that broke rather than doing anything productive." You must be pretty bad tech support then. It took yeah. a couple of months. Anyway. <laughs> Most of the issues were attributed to properly installing the drivers for his ATI AMD graphics card. Uh, so do you think he has some kind of super high-end, you know, one gig memory graphics card that's like three weeks old that he plays all his games on because that's all he does with his life? And, I don't know. I've, uh, I'm using I mean, right now a Linux, uh, Linux on a laptop running an ATI graphics card that worked out of the box. So I, you know, I, I don't have, I can't say I've ever had that experience. Graphics generally work well for me. I've never, I've had more trouble with network cards than sound cards than graphic graphics cards. I think we ought to try to get this show on the guest guy on the show and talk to him. It'd be fun. Yeah, he said uh, YouTube videos would only play in black and white. He got locked out of his own user account after deleting a different one. I don't know how that would happen. Um, and a problem which prevents him from logging into his Yahoo mail with certain browsers. I don't know. I, yeah, I've, I, wireless network drivers have been the bane of my existence on Linux, but other than that, it, you know, it's like, yeah, the implication in his article is that, and again, he doesn't say it, but he implies Linux crashes often, stick with something that runs perfect, which, yeah. I, and I wouldn't – or go ahead. I'm not going to say he's wrong, but I'm going to say that's not – again, okay. He says why you shouldn't switch to Linux. Okay. So let's let's look at in that thing. He's not saying Linux is bad. He's saying if you're a Windows user, you shouldn't switch to Lin- Windows uh, Linux because it has problems. Again, I think it goes back to that first point. It doesn't offer anything new in way of problems either. They're just different problems. Yeah, because how many times have – you know, I mean, there's been many times where a card is not supported right on Windows. So you can't just say, I mean, well, I think we're all saying the same thing yeah. is that this can happen with any OS and is not Linux specific. Number three, community support is less than stellar. Uh, I have said many times on this show that, that the number one uh, positive attribute about Linux is Linux users, and the n- number one negative attribute about Linux is Linux users. He's right. Community support can be crap, but community support can also be awesome, and that just kind of depends on your experience. Yeah, I 
I totally agree with that. Um, there are good communities out there, but if you're just switching to Linux, you don't know what those good communities are. So it, you know, and, and again, just to say the same thing is true for Windows communities, and I'm sure it's true for Apple communities as well. Okay, listen to this paragraph. On the other hand, there are far more support forums for Windows with volunteers who are generally more eager to provide assistance. Add to that the fact that a majority of tech support issues, even complex ones, can simply be Googled and solved in mere minutes. It seems puzzling that Linux advocates would even bother citing community support as a kind of advantage over Windows. That's pretty biased writing, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't say that there are far more support forums for Windows. I would say there's millions of support forums for Linux. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not going to say if that's more or less, but there's certainly a lot of them out there. And volunteers who are more eager to help, that's, again, very subjective. And, they, and well, I mean, you can find the most Linux problems Googled in a couple of minutes as well. Yeah, so, let's take that sentence. What problems can't be solved with a Google search in, in terms of tech anyway? Yeah, and I I could re restate his sentence. It seems puzzling that Windows advocates would even bother citing community support has any kind of advantage over Windows or over Linux because again, each each group has its strengths and each group has its weaknesses. There's bad apples in every one. Uh, I've hosed many a system by following community advice on Windows as well from people who didn't know what they were doing or had simply mistyped something. Um, so again, you know, the the implication that the community is, you know, less than stellar be simply is a Linux issue alone seems uh, it seems very fanboyish the way it's said here. Number four well, won't play nice with your existing Windows network. That's just garbage. Next. Well, uh, FYI, I just sent him a uh, an e uh, a comment on his article suggesting that he contact you if he's interested in being on the show to discuss all this. No, cool. you know, did you tell him right now we are bashing your article? No, because some things you agreed yeah, with. Yeah, you I gave him point. You gave him three quarters of a point just yeah. on the very first one. But to say that that it won't work in a Windows network is just garbage. I mean, I have dozens of. In fact, my entire Windows network for years was hosted on a Linux machine. Now, when you when you when you when you say that statement, when you read his comment there, um, I think uh, he he's talking about. Interoper interoperability between a Linux machine and a bunch of Windows machines. If right. you read on through what his well, statement yeah, is. He says, first you'll have to install a program called Samba, which is true. Yes. Yeah. Or there are yeah. others. Uh, um, but yeah. And even then, you won't be able to access your Windows PC without finding and editing system files. Not true. Um, no, you don't have to edit system files to run Samba. Almost never, actually. Well, see, this might be a learning opportunity for him as well. And he actually uses Linux, reading some of his posts, uh, comments, in his day everyday workplace. Um, so he's not a Linux noob in that sense. And he has lots of positive things about it. He just kind of wrote this as a con article to all the pro articles yeah. from the fanboys out there. Anyway, go ahead. I, I just think that point is just <laughs> it's just wrong, just plain wrong. Hopefully he'll, hopefully he'll get the invite and agree to be on the show before this comes out on Wednesday. Because, <laughs> again, on the laptop I'm using right now, which is Ubuntu 11.04, so newer than what he had, 
Um, I'm, when, I'm sorry. I think. Oh yeah, I think he's. Oh, did I say he was using 10.04? That's what you said. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I meant 11.04. Go ahead. Uh, when I first installed it, I clicked on places at the top. I clicked on network at the top. It found all the Windows machines in my house that had open files to share. It I is 10.04. I clicked on it. It show, showed me all the files that were available, CD, videos, whatever. I click that, and I'm I'm in. So I don't know right. what he's talking about there. It's just not on uh, par with my experience at all. Well, he's using a, a year-and-a-half-old version, at least in his, this article. Right. So maybe maybe he... Um Maybe he needs to try a new version. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also, how many times has a Windows update broken something on a Windows network? If not the it. actual Windows program, <laughs> but another program that you use. Right. So, uh, again, it's um, I just think there could have been a little bit more balance put in this article. Um, and the number five is, 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 he says, pseudo what? Yeah, okay. In Linux, you got to understand the sudo command, but uh, in in Windows now, there's a lot of run as administrator. I think that other OSs are catching up with that. But again, his point being that if you're switching from Windows where you don't have to do sudo to Linux where you do, it can be a burden. I'll, I'll give him a point for that. Yeah, Um Definitely, and especially today, has you know the user access control, you know, allow or, um, you know, run as administrator because now they're telling you don't run your computer as an administrator in Windows, something that Linux really frowned on from day one. Uh, point number six, not a great option for multimedia buffs. We did a whole uh, it, show on that. Yeah, it, well, yeah, there is lots of multimedia you can do, but he lays out specifically there's no Blu-ray support. Absolutely true, there is no Blu-ray support. Uh, and really, that's Netflix. about it. Yeah, he says if you can't run Netflix on it. He says uh, if you don't want to do online flash video, you have to have a newer computer. Okay, I don't. Again, I don't know what newer means, but I mean every computer I've used ever Linux on worked with with Flash. So I don't. I don't know what his point is there. Yeah, mm. I loaded a current version of Linux Mint on a Pentium 3 800 megahertz machine with like 356 megs of RAM. Now, it did not run great, but it could run and it could play one open window at a time. I don't think Windows 7 would have done quite so well. So, <laughs> again, you know, you can't watch Blu-rays, which is a big deal. Uh you know, if if you like all of the the super high def and all that kind of things, um, so I, I got to give him, I'd give him a point on this, but I would I would caution him. I'd like show a yellow card that. Um. <laughs> it, it really, as I read through here, it seems like all of his problems have to do with that one video driver. Maybe it is. Um, number seven stuff breaks far too easily. I, I, I don't know. Back, he's back to the video driver again. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says uh, it's it's another point to be made is the sheer ease at which the OS keels over. Again, just not my experience. I I can't say that I agree with that. And I think says, we'll have a lively show if we can get Mister Penn on here. <laughs> um, Ubuntu failed to boot after I added an additional hard drive. Again, I've never had that experience before. So I it. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying it doesn't 
jive with my 15 plus years of using it. <laughs> yeah, not 15, maybe 12. Uh, number right. eight, gamers. gamers need not apply. Yeah, didn't we do a whole episode on Linux games? We did. Um, we did a whole episode. However, we did stipulate in the ep- episode that most of those are Windows games played under Wine. So yeah, um, so, yeah. Half and of I made a there. comment on the article about that. And there are more and more Linux games coming out. I was looking at this one. There's this like dungeon game that is apparently um, a lot of people have been looking forward to has just been released under Linux. And uh, I can't remember the name, but I almost put it in the warm up. But it was like kind of so, you know, you don't your gaming is more limited, um, but it is not. It is far from non-existent. Number nine, weak software and service compatibility. He says you can't use Microsoft Office. You, you can with Wine, but uh, uh, you can't use iTunes. True. iTunes just Praise the Lord. doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> Netflix, he's right. At this point, there is no Netflix support. Uh, but to, to pick out a couple of big ones and say that it's weak, uh, I, I can't say that I agree with that. I mean, I think he picked like the three. Um, in my opinion, and, and if you if you're willing to run Wine, which is not hard, it's just an install really of Wine. You can get Office to work just fine. Or, but you know, for for most Office users, you can run a different Office software. That if you used to use, say, Office 2003, uh, it is an easier switch to go to Open Office or LibreOffice than it is to jump to Office. 2007 or 2010. So, you know, there are some functions that they don't have that Microsoft has, but there are other functions they have that Microsoft doesn't. So, but, And he does, you, the last line of that thing says you'll most likely have to settle for open source alternatives. And that's true. There are open source alternatives, and I will agree with his point that most of the time that's settling. There's something yeah. you wanted to use and you couldn't, so you have to settle for something else. Yeah, but that's but, like... I mean, you can also say, you know, you couldn't drive a you couldn't drive a Lamborghini, so you had to settle for a Porsche. Um, <laughs> well, you know, he didn't say it's not good. He just said that it's, um, he said it's weak, and I don't agree right. with that. Yeah. Well, of, of of the three that he listed specifically, are you a heavy Microsoft Office user? I would say that LibreOffice, for the most part, um, is as good. In some places, it's not as good. Some places, it's better. Love your iTunes. Nobody loves iTunes. That program is a monster and evil and takes over your computer. How about Netflix? Watch it on your PS3 or on your Roku box or on your Wii. Or wait or on your... six months. <laughs> Say what? Yeah. Wait six months. They're working on it. Yeah. So there's three examples to me were kind of like, eh. I mean, I understand, yes. Free software is not always as well good as the other, but it's not. to me it hasn't been a sticking point. And then number 10, you get what you pay or don't pay for. Let me back up one thing on number nine, Mark. Okay. He can. I'll let him have number nine if he's willing to uninstall and never use Firefox or Chrome again. <laughs> How's that? Because that's an open source alternative. Yeah, yes. Right, so I, to the yeah. entire internet. You know, you're not using the internet. You're using Firefox. Right. And that that number ten though, you get what you pay for. Man, I hear that a lot. Um, but. I just I don't buy it. It doesn't hold water in so many situations. And when was the last time you paid to breathe, right? But it's pretty important, and it's something you really like to do. <laughs> I love that you just jump, jump. 
total al- uh, analogies to a whole different. I mean, I'd be like saying, "When's the last time you had to pay for grass to grow in your yard?" Well, I mean, exactly. But the, the, it's the the mindset in general. I don't like the idea of you get what you pay yeah, for. It's but just there's not, not a true. pay for and a not pay for option on breathing or grass growing. Sure, you know there what I mean? is. There's smog in L.A. that you pay for. No. <laughs> Now I just I don't think I don't think the analogy hold water that the, the the argument that you get what you pay for because there's some really good free stuff out there. Oh, there and, is. You know, yeah. like you said, Aaron, uh, uh, Chrome and Firefox being something you don't pay for, right? Uh, yeah. But his argument is, if you pay for something, it's automatically going to be better. Uh, yeah, no. One thing you yeah. guarantee is be more expensive. Right. And usually you're paying for the privilege of griping at someone. Right. Um, and that's a big deal in the business world. But, uh, and even then, there are Linux distributions that are not free or, you know, you purchase these support contracts. So, um, I, to me, it's like, oh, I'm, I am so sick and tired of hearing you get what you pay for too. You know, it's like, ah, uh, it's just, it's that, uh, I can't even think of a good word. Um, to throw in there it's i just don't think i think it's a an easy platitude that doesn't actually hold up in many many cases you know if you if you're talking about um a web server for example would you rather have apache which you don't pay for or um iis that you do pay for anybody who's ever worked with both will say apache i think um i certainly will but yeah. you know that that in you know which would you rather use uh, a free mail system or uh, exchange? Anybody who's ever used exchange would probably say not that. Uh, anybody who's ever had to support it anyway. It's an aptly named application. May I please exchange this application for something that works? <laughs> so I'm going to strike number ten entirely. You get what you pay for is just not a good. They were originally going to name it Trash It, but it didn't work very well in the corporate setting. <laughs> But he does make some good points uh, about, and I, and again, I think his overall thing is true that there is no if you're looking to gain something by moving to Linux, you you have the wrong mindset because you're not really going to gain anything. My point is, you're also not really going to lose anything. I move back and forth between the two of them seamlessly. Like for I didn't mention, uh, my kids broke off the power jack on my good new laptop, so I'm using my older laptop, which has Ubuntu on it. So I went. You know, my Windows 7 machine didn't work. I pulled out my uh, Ubuntu machine and started working that and didn't miss a beat. There's nothing I don't have. There's not any tool that I needed that I don't have anymore. There's not any experience that I had that I gave up. It's just a little different, but it's not it's not better or worse. So, yeah, if you're it's looking... Like, it's like you said, a lateral move. Right, it really is. You know, that was one of the top ten moves of all football time too. Was a lateral, the lateral move. They called yeah. the the jump. It was called the uh, the the jump the jumping slide. I can't remember what it's called. It's basically, it's when the the guy jumps in the air and slips to the right. I don't know. Anyway, side note. Okay, Total. moving right along. Yeah, moving totally. Up. Sorry, edit that out later, Mark. <laughs> you. All right, guys. Anything else? That's the last of our notes in in the show notes. There. The, was there anything else that we maybe thought of along the way? Uh, let's say it all together. Um, no, I can't really think of much. Hmm. You left me so open for a, an insult there that you know, I can't really think much. 
But I, I said think of much. Oh, okay. Just okay. got. No. <laughs> I did say of. All right. Well, uh, while you're thinking, uh, do we have a command line tip of the? Uh, no, excuse me. We don't have a command line tip of the week because Chris isn't here. Do we have an end user tip of the week? Yes, and it is in perfect time for Halloween. It is thinkgeek.com. If you know somebody who is like a techie or a nerd or a geek or like Star Wars or Doctor Who or Star Trek or something like that, thinkgeek.com has some awesome t-shirts, funny little gadgets. It's just um it's just a great little website i um i actually bought a friend of mine's daughter had a birthday so i recently bought her one of those uh t-shirts that has the guitar on it you can play um, oh yeah, yeah yeah i i you can get it at other places but i bought it through this website han so, solo in carbonite ice cube tray that's hilarious <laughs> yeah um you can get um caffeinated soap uh bacon flavored mm-hmm. mayonnaise Hey, so I have Mark, some of that in my fridge. Bacon A's. I have some. Yes. Uh, you can purchase that here. There is all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, my I have a friend fav- that buys the, um, the uh, caffeinated jelly beans from here. What is the deal with zombies? I don't get it. Somebody explain zombies to me. Why are they suddenly so popular? Uh, well, some, for one thing, Mark, they're hard high to kill. prejudice and zombies. They're low, they're low maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, you don't have to feed them. You don't have to clean up after them. Yeah, but they try to eat uh, you. I know. Um, the, the, what is it? Uh, TBS, TNT, one of those Turner things, I think, is coming up with an entire network series, primetime series about zombies. Not a movie, well, that, not a video game, a series. The Walking Dead right now is one of the most popular cable television shows actually filmed here in Atlanta. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. That is what you're talking about. The new season's fixing to come out, and that's okay. what you're seeing the advertisement for. Season two. I didn't know real, that there was popular. a season of it. Well, you know, I mentioned before that my idea to capitalize on this right now is to do a Twilight spinoff. Instead of it being vampires and werewolves, it would be zombies. And you could do things like, look at Fred over there. He's always looking at me with that stare. What do you think it means? Uh, you know, the whole thing. I don't think we can date. Uh, well, you keep trying to eat my brains. You know, that whole thing. It would be, I think it would be hilarious. And why do zombies always want to eat your brain? What's up with that? Maybe they taste good. It's I'm like no sure. matter what the story is, no matter how the zombie come about... They always want to eat your brain. That's like the the universal truth of zombies, and and only a headshot will kill them. Right. That's pretty. That's pretty true. Usually, that's true. Yeah. You know, I, I much prefer the uh, the virus induced zombies over the supernatural zombies. Supernatural zombies are are out of vogue totally. Same with vampires. Supernatural vampires are way out of vogue. Everything's virus induced these days. Well, maybe you know, that's because that. we're learning more about genomes and and all that stuff. Yeah. What is uh, the that movie with Will Smith? That was a, I am Legend. That was virus induced zombies or vi- yeah. vampires, right? Yep. Uh, I am well, Legend is. It was in the Charlton Heston version as well. So, and same for all the Resident Evil movies. They're all, you know, zombie vampire, whatever those things are. You know, virus induced. Yeah. Yeah, most of them. Okay, so one of the things that we had talked about doing, and we only have a few minutes, but I want to go ahead and do it anyway for this show is listing. Uh, we're all three tech support guys listing your, your most outlandish or funny or craziest tech support call. So, Aaron, <laughs> I'm going to give you two minutes. Tell me your best oh, story. Man. I got I got two stories real fast. One, uh guy calls me from the remote site seven miles away and says, I, I'm, I'm here this morning. I'm in the exam room because I'm supporting you know, a, a health care place, and the monitor won't come on. I said, is the power on? 
He said, um, I, you know, I didn't turn the power off, but the lights aren't even coming on. I said, fill around the side. Look on the back. Do you see a switch? Because, you know, I didn't know exactly what kind of monitor it was. No, I don't see a switch. You don't see a toggle switch. No, no, no toggle switch. The power button's on the front. Yeah, I see the power button. It has a circle with a little line in it. Uh-huh. Hit that button. Nothing happens. He says, it's not even orange. Normally, it'd be orange. And when I woke the computer up, it'd come up. I said, okay, I'll be over there with the new monitor in just a few minutes. Got the monitor. Drove across town. Walked in there. Unhooked the old monitor. Laid it on the, the examining table behind me and said, see that right there? He said, yeah, that's the switch. That's how you turn the monitor on. Put the monitor back up there. Flipped the switch. Fixed it. Voila. <laughs> Apparently, the cleaning lady or somebody had was wiping the edge of the monitor down and flipped the power switch on the back of it over the weekend. So that's that's my one. Kid felt pretty bad. I say kid, he was about 19. It was uh, He was uh, right out of medical assistant school, but it was pretty funny. But my favorite story is not actually really a tech support story. It's kind of, and I think I might have told this one before, if I have, forgive me. I'm talking fast because you only gave me two minutes. Uh, IT department, you know, many times would um, get called on to do other things, as I'm sure you guys have done, one of which is give directions. I guess they thought that, you know, I was a smart tech-savvy guy. I should be able to give directions. So I gave directions to this lady. I'll give you the short version of the story. She says, and I'm quoting, doing my best impersonation of her, um, I, I, I can't talk on the phone and drive at the same time, so I'm going to give my phone to my son. I said, okay. So I tell, tell the kid on the phone, tell your mom to turn right on Fleshel Avenue. And I need you to tell your mom to turn right on Fleshel Avenue. She should be approaching Fleshel and you need to tell her to turn right. Mama, that man says that you need to turn right on, what was the street again? Fleshel Avenue. Fleshel Avenue. Well, where's Fleshel Avenue? Anyway, it goes on for about five minutes of him talking in slow motion, her getting more lost. And finally, I, I give the phone back to her, get him to get the phone back to her. And pull. Uh, she pulls over and she, sa- she says, I-, I can't do drive and talk at the same time. I'll have to give my phone to my other son. I was like, okay, great. Maybe that'll help. So he gets on the phone. We're driving along. I said, I'll tell her to turn right on 5th Street. Tell her to turn right on Fifth Street. I'm waiting for some kind of response. He says, "Mama, mama, mama, that man, that, uh, mama, the man said turn, turn. He said turn right, turn, turn right back there." <laughs> I like, You're kidding me. And it, long story short, she was on the wrong side of town. We drove her all through. Finally got her. It took like 30, 40 minutes to get her to the office. And you can drive anywhere in that town in 15 minutes. I had to go up front to see who this lady was and what she looked like. But I'll never forget that pause. And then the mama, he said, he said, he, he said, turn back there. <laughs> oh, my. So, so anyway, I, I went over my two minutes for that. That's all right. Actually, the, that full story is like a 10-minute story if you hear all the stuff that went on. But Seth, you got a good one? Um. I don't know how good it is, but one time uh, I got called uh, at the church uh, church I was at because this presenter brought in a uh, presentation on a CD-ROM, and he's up there. He can't get it to work. He can't get it to work. He can't get it to work. So, you know, they find me in the church and bring me up there, and I look at it, and he didn't – they burned the shortcut to the presentation that was on his desktop to the CD-ROM. So uh, burn the shortcut routine, yes. But we had our CIO CIO bring up a a thing in front of an entire team meeting and try to click on a link, and the link went to C colon backslash (laughs) blah 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 (laughs) for the whole IT department. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, Seth, go ahead. Was that that it? it? Uh, Yeah, that was. That was a good story. I mean, that's not. I wouldn't. My best say, story. Is that it? I wasn't like, is that it? Yeah, my best story that comes to mind isn't even a tech support story, uh, but it's a it's a personal humiliation story. And since you know, shouting for it is so popular, that's taking joy in somebody else's misery. In case you didn't know. <laughs> uh, so we had just moved into. Uh, I may have told the story. I think I don't remember. If I did, 
never mind. Um, uh, I had was in an office that had been an elementary school, and I used to, I was the only one in there in this old uh, hole by dungeon back in the room, uh, back in the back of the building. And then they decided to turn this into the administration building and move like all the the rest of the admin into that same building. So weeks of construction goes by and everything. And so finally it's uh, moving day. Everybody's in. Uh, I'm at the very back still in the same room I was in. Main offices are up front. Superintendent is in the middle. And in between us is a kitchen break room area. So superintendent calls me up. I answer the phone. And he says, uh, I need you to come by my office uh, for a minute. I got a, I got a problem here. And uh, on the way by, would you stop and get me a Dr. Pepper out of the refrigerator? Okay. So I hang up the phone, walk through, uh, get him a Dr. Pepper, come over, hand it to him. He says, thanks. That's all I needed. So that's the, yeah, that's my story. It wasn't even a tech support story. I was a waiter. That's hilarious. And so I was well, like, I have one, this is what it's going to be like now with you in my office, in the office with me, isn't it? <laughs> I, have, I have one quick one. Um, sometimes uh, executives, you know, wonder why the line item bill for IT is so high, and they want to just they want you know justification of why they're spending the money on IT support. And so, at one time at my previous employment, we had to write everything down we did for two weeks in detail: the date, the time, who requested it, what the problem was, and how we resolved it, and how long it took. I had a line item on mine that said the date, the time, the person's name. Problem was. The office chair will not go up. Solution was turned it round and round. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a hydraulic chair. It was an old screw. That's great. You know, type chair. And I just went, is that good? Okay, there we go. I had the same thing happen when the same superintendent first started. He was, you know, wanted everybody to, to define their uh, basically make sure that, that they existed for a reason. So he gave everybody these pre-printed forms that we, with things that you'd filled out, fill out the time you did it, whatever. Day two, I go back into his office and say, can I get another one of those forms? He said, why? Did you lose, lose yours? I said, no, I filled it up. He said, you don't have to do any more of those. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, we're currently tracking all of our time right now um, at my current employee, but that is actually for our benefit because we're needing to demonstrate how much time we're having to spend um, so we can get more resources. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not bad. All right. So that I think we're going to call that stop right there. I, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Patchwork Ponderings or Hello World, World. Goodbye, Goodbye, Dennis, Dennis Ritchie, Ritchie. Yep. Uh, whichever title I remember to put up there when I go to release it. Uh, I think it was fun, and I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, maybe next week we'll have, well, we will definitely, we'll have uh, Ask the Ask Experts join us on there. That's right. And you can do that if you don't want to join us live, if you if that's too much pressure for you. You can go to our website at elementop.com, go to the forums, the Everyday Linux Forum, post your question or comment there. Or you can leave us a voicemail, give us a call at 559-IAM-OPI, or right there on the homepage of the elementop.com website, you can uh, use the call us form, enter your your phone number and your name if you want to. And uh, leave us a voicemail, and we will we'll play it on the show. You can also find us always on uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash elementop, or facebook.com slash elementop. We're there uh, every once in a while, at least. So uh, check us out. Uh, let us know what you want to ask the experts, or if you want to volunteer your services as an expert. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, that would be awesome, too. So, guys, anything else before we it. put this one to bed? Uh, nothing comes to mind. Good night, John Boy. 
They don't call him the best color man in the business for nothing. <laughs> and that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. Yeah.